Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dylan. Welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to your app store and search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. Good morning, church. So here is the story. Basically, if you make a mistake up here, we will make sure it's up there. All right? So, so you got to be careful what you do around here. But uh, Mike says, they left it in. I'm like, yep, they did. So it was great. Uh, I need to make uh, just a couple of announcements. Uh, first of all, next week, um, we probably already referred to this anyways, um, but if you're part of the worship team or our sound tech and our video and lighting, uh, or you would like to be a part of that, we really would like to meet with you next week. We're having an appreciation dinner, and then we're also trying to um, get some more people to help out in some of the different areas because, you know, it just helps if we more of a serve. So if you're interested in that, we'd love to have you come to the dinner next week. Uh, just make sure that you sign up in our app uh, to let us know so we can get enough meals provided for that day. Uh, secondly is this. If you're a member of the church, I have to make sure I do this from the pulpit, but uh, we want you to know that elections for our board and for our delegates that we send to our uh, district conference, we're going to be voting on that here uh, coming up. What you need to know is that um, there are... Uh, nominee bios out there at the information desk. So we need you to go pick those up after the service. And so that way you know who, um, uh, who you're voting on, I guess, in case you don't know everybody in the church here. And then uh, thirdly, uh, you saw the baby bottles when you came in, or, I mean, there was a lot of them got rid of first service. Hopefully there's still some out there. Uh, but those baby bottles are not because we're expecting a big influx of babies in the church. Uh, we're asking you to collect change, put them in the bottles. And then uh, we give those bottles to Voice of Help, and so that uh, money goes to help um, a lot of people who are deciding within pregnancies and stuff what to do. So we want to make sure that that money gets to the right place. So we'd love to have you uh, be a part of that. And then today, of course, is Mother's Day. So if you're hearing about this for the first time and uh, you realize you need to go get mom something, feel free to leave the service right now and uh, go get what you need to because uh, you don't, if mom is not happy, nobody's happy, right? You know what I mean? So, so take care of that today. But we do want to say, um, man, thanks to you mothers. And what a wonderful thing um, that you do. Um, whether you know it or not, your influence matters, and I want you to know that it's greatly appreciated. Um, I believe many of you have sacrificed so much in life. I remember uh, hearing an author and reading what they said, and I thought, man, that's a great point. But they said mothers are the, the one people that think twice before they make any decision. Uh, they think about how it's going to affect them, and then they think about how it's going to affect their children as well. And so I just want to say a deep um, gratitude of thanks to you. Um, as many of you know, I lost my mother this last year, um, so uh, this is the first time without Mama Mom's um, Mother's Day. Uh, I was doing pretty good, um, but as I was sitting there and I was doing a puzzle last night at home, which that puzzle was honestly frustrating me to no end, uh, but I'm going to get through that, okay? Uh, but as I was doing the puzzle, my wife stopped what she was doing for a moment, and she just looked over at me, and she said, she just asked this question, she said, how are you doing tonight? And, uh, and honestly, I was doing okay until she asked the question, you know. And then, uh, and then I, I just got real uh, sentimental there for a moment. Because I knew why she was asking the question. And she was saying, you know, this is the first time without mom there. And um, uh, so I get, I get to get sentimental. See, my last image of my mom is more of a legacy image than of her actually. And what had happened is... Um, we had the funeral service, and there was mom in the casket, and then standing outside of there was my dad, 
me and my brothers and my sister, and even our our wives and um, her husband and others and our kids. None of them came, and it was just um, the five of us with dad. And uh, man, that was the that was the one time I really broke down. And one of the thoughts that went through my in my mind is this: is that um, my mom was just a pillar of our family, especially spiritually. And um, Abraham Lincoln once said, no man is poor who has a godly mother. And I just thought, man, that's, that's my mom. She was just the best. And uh, I remember, like, um, I, I always remember feeling bad for my siblings growing up, you know, because I thought they, they had to come after me, you know, and that'd be, that'd be a hard thing to do, you know. Not really. Honestly, I think that most of them have been probably, in the world's term, considered more uh, successful than I am. Um, I, I think that what they should be appreciative of, I set the bar pretty low, uh, you know, and so, uh, so when it came around the other one, his mom was like, okay, at least it's not Chuck, you know, like, like we can get through, uh, but I think that most of them, um, you know, again, in the worldly terms, would probably do better, um, you know, as far as the world concerned. I'm just glad that I got the looks, you know, so, um, <laughs> Yeah, some of you are like, man, if you got the looks, I can't wait to see the others, you know. So, uh, yeah, so, but I think, I think the thing is most, I, th- I think the thing that mom would most be appreciated for, and I believe that one of the greatest things that, um, that she probably ever accomplished is this, is there was five of us kids, and five of us today are still all in the church. And I think that she would consider that like her crowning moment. Um, and not that she thought she did it herself, but she positioned us in such a way where God could be at the forefront of our lives. You see, growing up, my mom, she set a standard really high as far as what we thought about God. And probably a lot of families aren't like this, and I think that in our world today, it's definitely not like this as much as it used to be. Uh, But growing up in the Osborne house with mom, man, you had to go to every service the church had, you know. So we were there for Sunday school, uh, then we were there for morning worship. Uh, then we had to come back at night for youth group at like 5. Uh, then we had evening service at 6. And then we had to stay for choir practice after that. You know, So you, you had a good five hours that day that you were in church. Then you came back Wednesday night. And uh, you had the prayer meeting, uh, which could go on for a little while. Um, and then uh, if there was a revival, hold on. you know, Because <laughs> you were there for a week or two as you had to go to all these services. And it wasn't just about being there at church, which mom, again, made sure we were there every time. Uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, she even left a couple of us there afterwards because she forgot about us. And uh, we had to go have the pastor come unlock the building <laughs> so we could get the other kid. Um, but, um, but mom also made sure that devotions were just a huge part of our life as well. Um, we had to uh, have family devotions every night. And the crazy thing about having family devotions is as mom would go through um, reading the scripture, uh, she then would give us a quiz. And here's the problem. If you didn't get the questions answered correctly, guess what? You get to read it again. You know, so we're all there like, come on, pay attention. You know, which is always very hard for me to do, but it's, uh, we just made sure she did that. She made sure that we had um, prayer time uh, before every meal and every night. And uh, she made sure that we, uh, uh, you know, even when she sent us off to school, there was a time of prayer, and that's why she sent us out. God was like, it was a big part of our life. Like, she made sure that, that he was first. Matter of fact, for some of you who don't understand this, like, 
mom made sure that God was first and nothing else was in that place, that on Wednesday nights, sometimes Wednesday night would conflict with like one of our sports, like football. And if it did, my mom always went up to the coach and she said, hey, um, my sons have to leave by this point because we have church. You know, and I mean, as a teenager, I was like, I was like, oh man, this is embarrassing. <laughs> you know, but I understood like now that she was just trying to put that as this is the most important thing of our lives. And nothing else can be put before that. And so it was just a good standard. Now, I did think the coolest thing is there were several of us um, from the same team and all of our moms did the same thing. And um, we were all starters. There was like four or five of us that were starters on the offense. And so the coach had to move the practice around in order to make that happen. And so I was like, wow, that, I mean, now looking back on it, it's cool because she was affecting just even that, that program and stuff. So those moms were so just a really cool thing. But she set the standard really high as far as what we did. Um, we knew it was right and we knew it was wrong because of the standard she had set. What I'm concerned about today is I'm concerned about the world that we're living in today and I'm concerned about the church as a whole. I'm not just talking about Dayspring, but church as a whole. Because I, I, I feel like today that we no longer know what that standard is. I feel like that, um, that we struggle with a lot of things in the Bible. I think we struggle with authority. I think we struggle knowing what sin is. I think we struggle in our relationships. I think we struggle in how we talk with one another. And even today, as you know, that we're struggling whether someone is a guy or a girl and it just feels like things are falling apart around us. We struggle with all these things that we once saw as a standard, and that's what we uh, clung to. You know, even, even America, I mean, we had this certain sort of standard, and we were very patriotic, and these were the ways you, you represented the flag and, and the national anthem, and those things that no longer seem like there's a, a standard in any way. Um, I also noticed this. I noticed, and this is what fears me the most, I noticed that the Bible has been relegated to just another book with some good suggestions. Um, and I believe that we notice that that book changes with the culture of the day. If you read the Old and New Testament, and you read enough, you're going to notice one thing happens. But as you read through those passages, you'll notice from time to time that the authors will make note of certain people. They, they'll say they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, or they did what was wrong in the eyes of the Lord, or a third state is what they'll say is they did what was right in their own eyes, which that's the scariest place to be, uh, because you don't want to leave up all this stuff to someone's own interpretation, because that's going to mess you up every time. The standard has to be the standard. The Word of God has to be the standard. There's no politician that can be the standard. There's no parent that can be the standard. There's no pastor that can be the standard. You can't look up at me and make me the standard because I will fail you every time. The Word of God has to be the standard that we follow. And we have to agree that it is the Word of God so we give it its proper place and proper respect and we say this is the thing that we value above anything else because it is God's Word. It's not man's Word. It's God's word. So with that word comes a source of authority to what we're reading. So the story we're going to look at today is in 2 Kings. It's going to be in chapter 22. We're going to be looking through verses 1 through 11, even though we're going to be talking about some of the other verses around there today. 
but it's incredible to think what had happened because there was a standard that the Israelites lived by, but for some reason they had relegated the book of the law to the place that, listen what happened, they didn't even know where the book of the law was, and they no longer followed it. And my concern is today is that we have relegated the word of God to basically being nothing or meaningless. And I have to tell you, once we do that, it doesn't matter what I say anymore. Because it just becomes Chuck's word and not God's word. And it has to be God's word through and through. So let's look at some of the early decisions that they were making and see how that even affects our lives today. So um, 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 1, starts out this way. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidiah, daughter of Adiah. She was from Boscoth. He did what was right, talking about Josiah, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left, but keeping basically a straight and narrow path. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, son of Aziliah, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrust it to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. And have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, the masons, also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple. But they need not account for the money entrusted to them because they are honest in their dealings. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. Then Shaphan the secretary went to the king and reported to him, Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. And Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Let's pray together. Father, every time I read your word, I'm just amazed with the truth that there is in there. And I'm just amazed at how that many times when we don't follow your word, like me and the standards and the morals and the things in society just decay around us. But there's something about putting you in a prominent place, putting you first. When you gave us the Ten Commandments, you said, love the Lord your God and don't follow any other gods. And it was all about making sure that you're the priority, you're the focus, because you become the standard. And that's what we measure everything up against. So I pray today that as we would read your word, there would be a part of us that would just sit there and say, okay, where am I at in this? Where's the standard? Where am I missing the mark? And how can I get back there? And then I pray, Lord, as I'm sharing the word today, if there's anything that I would mess up, I pray that you would clean it up in the ears of your people so that your voice is the one that is heard today. In your name we pray. Amen. So I have to admit one thing this week. Uh, as I was preparing this message, I forgot that it was Mother's Day. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it was like Thursday. And I got a uh, message on my, my phone which said, don't forget Mother's Day. And I was like, I forgot. And so I was thinking, I've already got my message prepared. What am I going to do? You know, because you want to you do something a little bit with mothers. And then it was very interesting because all of a sudden, as I read this passage again, I noticed the name of a mom in here. And it's Josiah's mom. And Josiah's mom's name is Jedediah. 
And you have to remember, in sort of the patriarchic system of the day, like when you mention like a lady's name, there is significance for it because normally you'd mention the man's name. So as I was reading about Jedediah and I was trying to understand who she was and I thought, man, her son ends up being this, this king, Josiah. And at eight years old, he's like, I know there needs to be a change. And it says that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And I'm like, somebody had to have influence in that kid's life. And so as I read about Jedediah, what I found out is that she was, she was a very spiritual lady who believed in God. And they believe that she greatly influenced her son, who was living in sort of a terrible time around him. So I thought, well, that's fantastic because we can talk about the influence of a mom. But then, because I wanted to do a little bit more research, I went a little bit back before. And as I was reading the story, all of a sudden you realize that his grandfather was Manasseh. And Manasseh was like one of the worst kings in the history. And I started reading again because it mentions Manasseh's mom. And Manasseh's mom was Hepzibah, which to you may mean nothing. But if you've grown up in the Wesleyan Church, one of the things that you understand is in Georgia, we used to have a children's home, and the name of the children's homes was Hepzibah. And so I thought to myself, uh-oh, Hepzibah has to mean something good, because certainly they didn't name the children's home after somebody bad. And what we realize is Hepzibah means that a delight, her delight is in the Lord. And what again, what I realize is this, Hepzibah was, and again, I'm going to give you another name. Hepzibah was married to Hezekiah. Hezekiah was known as one of the greatest kings in the scriptures because he followed the ways of the Lord himself. But Hepzibah's child was Manasseh, the worst. And I struggled with that because all of a sudden I was like, wow, does influence really matter, yes or no? And I want you to know, I think I was about in year 10, of being a youth pastor here, maybe, maybe earlier than that. And I was really struggling one day because um, I've been pouring and pouring into teens and trying to get them to where they need to be spiritually. Uh, but Facebook is one of those places where you get to see a lot of the wrong decisions that people make. And as I began to see these kids that I felt like I had poured into, I realized that they were choosing some paths that weren't great. And I just felt awful about it. And I remember going up to the pastor at the time, and his name was uh, Pastor Beers. Uh, not because he had a drinking problem. That was actually his name, okay, for those of you who don't know. Um, but I went up to him and I said, um, hey, I don't, I don't know if I should still do youth ministry anymore. And he said, well, why is that? And I said, I said, you know, porting these kids all in all, and I said, and they're making these poor choices. I said, I don't think that I've really made any difference in their lives. And I want you as moms to hear this from what I heard as well, because I thought it was such a great statement. And he said, Chuck, he said, I want you to listen to this. He says, you are responsible to the kids. You're not responsible for them. And I thought it was such a great statement because what that meant is this, is I as a youth pastor and you as a parent, a mom or dad, your responsibility is to make sure that they understand the word, that they know the love of God, and not that they just hear it or not that they're just at church, but you live it out in front of them. But eventually they will make their own decisions, whether good or bad. And as much as I would love to make sure they make all the right decisions, I can't totally do it for them. And so your role as a mother, your role as an influencer, your role as a parent is to make sure that you're responsible to them, but eventually they will make their own decisions. And some of you have experienced the joys in that, and some of you have experienced the pains in that as well. And we continue to pray that these different ones will come back to them as well. 
um, I want to go then on into the scripture what we're dealing with. Um, because as we look and as we see what's going on around the people of that day, what I find is this, is that the people lost their way. Okay, so we get into 2 Kings 21. And what you'll find out is King Manasseh is in charge. And Manasseh is in charge for about 50 years. Manasseh is a bad king. He starts bringing in other gods. He, uh, he's even one that sacrifices his own son to the false gods. All right? That's the kind of leader that he was. He was making sure that people were getting as far away from God as they could. Um, he was creating and messing up the temples around. He was setting up places for his own gods that he was creating. Like this guy was entirely bad all the way through and through. And because of it, the people began to lose their way. And why I want you to know they lost their way is, is this is the first reason. First of all, they put their trust in a man. You see, they put their trust in Manasseh. Like he's the one who is our authority. He is our leader. No matter what he does, this is the one that we follow. And because of that, they got way off track. Instead of recognizing that Manasseh is doing things that are wrong and evil, that he is, is putting God secondary, which we as the people of Israel know that God has delivered us through and through. We've seen the miracles that he's done. We understand that he's offered us protection over and over again. Instead of continuing to put their trust and hope in God, they began to put it in a man, Manasseh. And I have to tell you, this is one of the failures that you and I can make as a people. Like when you and I start putting our faith and trust in people, we will always fall short. That's why I'm really concerned when people say, you know, I'm trying to live like you, Pastor Chuck. I'm trying to be, you're try, you are a good example. And I'm like, no, no, no. If I'm your example, you will always miss the mark. I will always fail you in one way or another. And when we begin to put leaders in sort of that high position, again, we're missing the mark. You can't put a politician in that high place and think that he's going to get you through. Like he will let you down. And you know that because you've seen it time and time again with no matter who's in charge. Like they always fall short. It doesn't matter if you have the most perfect teacher. Like eventually they are going to fall short in some way or another. Like you could take the best pastors, the people that you think are the greatest speakers or the most influential people. I take a guy like Billy Graham and I put him up on this high pedestal. But listen, Billy Graham is not the mark. Jesus Christ is always the mark. The word of God is always the mark. Once I put, start putting my faith and hope and trust in these things, I will always fall away. I will never be the person I can be and we will lose our way because Jesus Christ and his word have got to be the mark that we put out there. Second of all is this. They put their hope in other gods. So Manasseh brought in these other gods, and the two gods that they served at that time who he brought in was Baal and the Asherah. Now you have to know about Baal is this. Baal is considered the god of wealth. And the reason why he's considered the god of wealth is what they believed is he's the one that helped the plants to be able to produce. And the reason why they felt that way is they felt like Baal is the one who would send the rain down, it would come on the plants, and those plants would grow up as a result. So that's what they believed about Baal. Now, if you, if, you, if you remember the story of Elijah, when he confronts the Baal priest, one of the things that he does, he says, okay, you put this sacrifice, I'll put this sacrifice, and we'll call down storms, or we'll call down rains, and we'll ask them to consume this thing. And the reason why he did that is because he put everything in Baal's court. He set everything up for Baal to succeed, because this is what you believe about Baal? Then fine. Then this is the test we'll give. And if he, can't, if he can't get the test done, and my God does, then we'll believe in the God of gods. 
And I mean, that's the way it was set up, okay? So they believed that, and by the way, because of the rain coming down, producing the crops, being able to feed their animals, they believed that that's what gave them their livelihood or their income, so he was a god of wealth. And secondly, you have the Asherah, which if you ever get into it, it's, you know, it's kind of an R-rated thing, basically. Um, but that was the god of sex. And so you had a god of wealth, and you had a god of sex. And that was the two things that they put their hope and they put their trust in, those false things. Good thing today is we don't put our hope in wealth or sex. Sarcastically said. Because <laughs> that's exactly today what we still put our hope and trust in. And you have to understand that when you put anything before God, like it's always going to miss the mark. And that is my concern in our world. Because there's a lot of things I think we do well in our world. There's a lot of things that I wanted my kids involved in. I always wanted my kids involved in sports. I always wanted them involved in music. Like those are the things that had a major impact on my life. And I wanted them to do well. But here's the thing. If I put that as their first God, they're always going to miss the mark. If I don't teach them that God is before all this other stuff, they're always going to miss the mark. And I'm not saying that that stuff isn't important. We just need to let them understand that God has got to be first place in your life. And why do I say that? And I want you to listen to this and think about it, you as parents, too. Because if I put and say, hey, you know, you got to do well in sports, you got to do well in music, and that's all the time I spend with them. Once they don't make the team in high school, or once they don't make the team in college, or once they don't make the team professionally or the music group in any of those situations as well, that's everything they put their hope in. When they don't make that, then they feel worthless. And what I want to challenge us is this. Is even though you may throw the ball with your kids over and over again, which, man, that is a great time to spend with your kids. If you're not opening up the Bible and turning page after page after page with them as well, what you've told them is, the sports and the music are more important than God. If every day when they get home from practice, you say, how did practice go? When you talk about how you can work on things, but when they get home from church, you never ask them what their Bible study was about and how does it impact their life. What you've told them is, I think the things that are more important are the sports and the music and not God. And then we give them a false hope because we give them false gods and false idols to go after. So as Manasseh was preparing this place as well, what began to happen then too is um, they began to, they moved bad things in and they moved good things out. So what Manasseh was doing is he had this temple of the Lord, which was dedicated to God. Um, and inside that uh, temple was the Ark of the Covenant, which we know as the, the Ten Commandments. And then beside it, what they would have is what they considered the book of the law, and they would have those two pieces together. As they began to bring in the idols and the Baal and the Asherah pools and all this stuff, they began to find that they didn't have enough place for the good things of God that were supposed to be in there. And so they began to separate these things. And they separated them in such a way that we realized later that the book of the law was nowhere even close to the Ark of the Covenant. So therefore, they couldn't even find the book of the law any longer. Like, they weren't following it. They were moving all these bad things in, and they were moving the good things out. And as a result, since there was no standard anymore, they weren't understanding what the standards of the time were. And again, I thought to myself, like, 
What kind of bad things do we move into our own lives, and what kind of good things do we move out? You know, what takes priority in your life? Like, are you making sure that your kids are hearing about the Word of God, or are you making sure that other things take the place? Like, where are you at with that? And just think about your own life. Like, are you making time for God? Or have you gotten so involved in the things of the world? Have you gotten so involved in all your other activities that you never set aside time for God? And since you never set time aside for God, then you no longer know how he speaks. You no longer have something that you can match your life up against and say, man, this is where I'm falling a little bit short. Like we've already relegated sort of God's time to the times of other things. And not that those other things are important, but again, we can't forsake the first love, which is what they continually were doing in the scriptures. And so they moved those things out, and so all of a sudden they lost the word. And here's the other thing that happened. They quit reading the word. So in the time of Manasseh, what had to happen, just so you know, is every seven years, they would pull out the book of the law, and they would read it to the people. And it was like a public forum where they would read it. And you would hear the word of the Lord. And then as you, heard the, as you heard the book of the law, all of a sudden you would sort of examine things morally around your culture, and you would say, boy, we are missing the mark this way. These are the things that we need to get back to. And so every seven years that they would hear that, and they would read it, and it would be a reminder to them. In the time of Manasseh, that didn't happen at all. So seven times they missed that reading. For 50 years, they no longer knew what the standard was. And because of it, they didn't understand which, the direction they should go. And basically, the book of the law basically would have been the idea of reading the book of Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy basically says this. It says, if you obey me, I'll bless you and protect you. But if you don't, then I'll give you what you want. So you don't want my protection? Then fine. You'll be invaded, and I won't step in to help you. You don't want me to have authority in your homes? Then fine. I'll stay out, and you'll lose all authority. You want false gods? Fine. I'll give you false gods, but with false gods, you'll get false hope. You see, we've moved God out of the equation in so many aspects of our life, and then we wonder why we don't have any morals in our society anymore. We move the Ten Commandments out of our political places. We move the Ten Commandments out of our schools. We've taken prayer out of these different things. And then we can't understand why society is going to pot. And it's because we've taken away the standards or the morals that we should be following in the first place and making sure that God is first. And because of this, we put all of our false hope in man instead of who God is. And then it's interesting, not only did they quit reading the word and understanding what the standard was, but they quit going to the temple. Why? Because the temple had no impact in their lives anymore. It had no impact. Because if the word of God, if there was no standard there, what's the point of going to church? They're not going to share that word anyways. They're just going to share what what's on their own hearts and what's on their own minds. And this is where I am definitely concerned about society today, definitely concerned about our churches today. Because churches are no longer saying that this is the word of God. They're looking at culture and saying, let's shape culture, or let's shape the word of God to the culture of the day. And when we do that, man, we're setting up the wrong standard. 
even on my way in today, it was interesting. I was hearing a pastor speak, and he said, he said that as society compromises with the world, or as Christians compromise to the world, he said then Christianity gets a little bit more complicated. And I believe that's true. Because we no longer know what right and wrong is. Because we no longer have a standard out there. We say, well, what does the world think? And then we go with that. And you and I know that the world is decaying, and it's decaying fast. Because we no longer have the standard that we need to out there. So they quit going to the temple as a result. So now we weren't holding each other accountable. No one was caring what's going on. So Josiah basically then, when he comes into reign, which again is at eight years, he wasn't making major decisions then. But into his teen years, he started making some decisions. And he started looking at the world, started listening to his mother, and realized we can't keep going the way we're going. I mean, Josiah's father was killed in two years because he wasn't leading the people right. Josiah probably didn't want to end up like his father. And so he said, we got to do things differently. He knew that a change needed to happen. So it says that in the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, and he said, look, we got to do things differently, and we've got to change. And listen, it's important that when you change that you have a desire to change. And Josiah had a desire to change. He was looking at his world and said, we can't keep going down this path. We have to change. You want to see a difference in the schools? Then we have to have a desire to change. We have to recognize that teachers have to have authority again. We have to realize that coaches have to make decisions. And unless they are doing complete evil, then we need to stay out of the way and let them have the authority that they deserve. We need to understand that if we desire change in our relationships, or if we want change in our relationships, then we have to desire to do things differently. Like we have to figure out how to love our spouses differently. Like if we want to see our kids change, then we have to have a desire to spend time with them, to let them witness and see the things that are different in our life. If you want to get out of addictions, you want to get out of drugs, then you have to have a desire to change, and that has to start with you. It's like we went back to that other passage there with Cain and Abel, and God tells him, Cain, he says, look, he says, sin is crouching at your door, but you can master over it. But you have the ability to master over it. You just have to have the desire to change. And so what he did is he said, let's take all the money, let's take all the skilled workers, and let's fix the temple up. Like, let's clean this place up. Because he believed that true worship, that the true standard had to start back in the temple. And what he was doing is this. Josiah was setting up the temple, and he was bringing back worship back to God. Let's, like, let's quit worshiping man. Let's quit worshiping a pastor. Let's quit worshiping a priest. Let's quit worshiping a coach, a teacher, because all of those will always fail us in some way or another. Let's bring the worship back to God. Like, he has got to be the standard. He has got to be the voice of authority. And so we said, I want to set this place up so it's a welcoming place to be. And church, I hope and I pray this, this is where we're at. I pray that Dayspring is a welcoming place where people can worship God where people that are sick can feel like they can come in and get the help that they need. So if a prostitute comes in here, I hope they feel the first sign of true love that they've never experienced anywhere else in their life. I pray that if someone struggles with homosexuality, I feel like that they can feel like, like they're loved and they're cared for. I'm hoping that if we have addicts that come in, that they can feel like that they can be accepted, that they can be cared for, and that they can be helped. Because why? Because the church is supposed to be a hospital where the sick come in and they're healed. 
And guess what? It's not Chuck who's going to do the healing, and you're not going to do the healing. The healing only comes through the power of God. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives that will make the difference. I don't know enough to make a difference. I cannot make a difference. It is only God who can transform people. And I have to get out of the way. You have to get out of the way. Our call is to love people and love God. And then let the Holy Spirit do the work. And so he brought the worship back to God. And I love this because he went after a specific change. He said, we're going to get the skilled workers. We're going to spend this kind of money. We're going to do the things that are necessary. And I think some of us from time to time will say, we want change, but it's very vague. I want to change. Well, how do you want to change? How does it specifically look like it to change in your marriage? I'm going to be home more. I'm going to talk to my spouse more. I'm going to find out the needs that are out there. What specifically are you going to do to change your kids? I'm going to make sure I'm present in their life. I'm going to make sure I'm at their events. I'm going to make sure that we spend time together. What's it going to mean like if you make specific change as far as religious stuff? We're going to pray together at this meal. We're going to pray together at night. I'm going to pray when I send my kids out. I'm going to read the word of God with them. Specific change, not just vague change, but specific change. What does that look like? And then in the midst of all the specific change that they were going through, and I love this part of the passage, because in 2 Kings 22, 8 through 11, it says that they found this standard and they acted upon it. So as they were cleaning up things, as they were getting things prepared, all of a sudden in the midst of all that, they found the book of the law. Like the thing that should have been the most important feature of their temple, they had lost. And all of a sudden it was out there again. And as they began to read it, they understood that, wow, even though we're making changes, even though we recognize society needs to change, like we're still missing the mark. And as they were reading that word, which is interesting to me, is, is the, the secretary, Shaphan, comes and reads it to Josiah. And as Josiah is hearing these words, I can only imagine what he's thinking. Because he's thinking he's already made some changes and the changes are good. But as he's beginning to hear other things like, you got to put God first. I don't think we've done that well we got to make sure that the temple is a, is a place for people to worship uh, the true God. Oh, man, we got other things in there as well that aren't good. we got to make sure that there's, there, there's no lying or gossiping or cheating our neighbors. we got to make sure that there's no adultery. we got to make sure that we're not following false gods. And I'm sure after reading, after reading, after reading, I can feel this sort of thing building up within Josiah that's just like, man, are we missing the mark or what? And at the end of it, after he hears this word, it says he just rips his clothes. He rips his robes. Why? Because that's a sign of mourning. And he's mourning not only for himself, but he's, he's mourning for his kingdom as well. Because they have missed the mark. They no longer had this standard, and they missed it by a long shot. And all of a sudden, he says, i got to act on this. And I love his actions because he starts going after things. He's like, get those bell things out of here. Get the Asherah pulls out. We're done with those things. All those priests that are leading in false ways, get rid of them. Matter of fact, he took the former priest who had died and their bones were somewhere. He went and took their bones and it says he grinded them up and then he threw them out as well. He was going after everything that didn't put God first. And I want you to hear this point right here. He went after the psychics and the fortune tellers and they didn't even see it coming. And he took them out as well. 
And I mean, it's just so profound. He went after all this stuff because he says we have to cleanse these things. You know, and church, you and I have got to get to the same place where we recognize what the standard is. I don't get to pick and choose what the standard is. This is the word of God. This is the standard. This is what we have to preach. And we have to understand that this is going to make a difference. I can get up here. I can make you laugh. I can make you cry. I can say some good words from time to time. But if my words are the standard, we're always going to fall short. Like, this has got to be the standard. I remember in school, uh, when we had a wood shopping class back in the day. You guys all remember wood shopping class, and the, the wood shop teacher was always missing a digit or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> I remember going to those classes, and, um, and this is going to age me pretty good. But our assignment was to make a, um, a VCR box. You guys know what VCRs are, right? You know, they're the bigger things you used to watch videos on, you know? And uh, we had to make that box. So I got my project out. I cut a piece of wood, cut the wrong piece of wood. And as a result, and this is going to age me again, my VCR box turned into a cassette box. <laughs> which is a lot smaller. You see, I didn't think about what was going on, and I didn't measure the appropriate way. But it's interesting because measuring tapes are sort of the standard. Like we're saying, this is what we're going to measure everything by. And this is going to make sure that everything is sort of squared up. And those guys that can do that do an amazing job. I can't build things like that. But that's what a measuring tape is for. It's to set the standard. And you know if you're off once you measure things up. And the Word of God and Jesus Christ is the standard. And when we have the standard and we measure ourselves against that, I think we'll realize from time to time that we're missing the mark. And this is where we need to get back to. And I want you to know this. Time and time again, you and I will miss the mark. But the grace of God is sufficient enough that even when you and I make mistakes, that God says, that's okay. I got this one for you. Because this is what I love about God. God knows that moms, you're going to make mistakes. Dads, you're going to make mistakes. Brothers and sisters are going to make mistakes. But what he cares about is your heart. Have you put God as your first love? Have you said that this is the standard and this is what I'm willing to follow? You see, some of us can get weighed down by that. Others can understand that it's an act of grace that he gives us that standard and says he loves us this much. They says this is the standard and this is what I want you to live up to. And by the grace of God, you and I can make it. Would you stand with me this morning? And I want us to pray together. Father God, Again, we just thank you for your word, and we thank you for the power that there is in it. And, I mean, it's amazing to me that they lost your word, and they didn't understand the law, and so they really had nothing to measure up to, and then it says society went to pot. And, Father, I pray that we would be a people that would say that the word of God matters, that spending time with you matters, that setting you as the mark is what really matters. And even though at times that can be overwhelming because we're saying, man, we're never going to be as perfect as Christ is, and you never expected that. That's why you went on the cross and died for us. Because you said your blood and your grace is enough. All you ask us to do is to continue to love you and continue to love others. So I pray that we wouldn't use that as an excuse. But I pray that we would say, wow, this is an act of grace. We're going to continue to love God the best way we can. We're going to apologize when we do wrong. We're going to repent when we make mistakes. 
and we're going to keep things moving on the right direction. Pray that you be with us as we leave this place. Help us to celebrate our mothers today. We give you thanks. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, if your mothers are still around today, make sure you give them a big hug. Tell them you love them. We'll see you again next week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.